few weeks ago after church, Usher Dan Alsdorf and our drummer Mikhail Steele were having a conversation about what uh, life was like in Dan's church while he was growing up. And uh, there were definitely no drums and no bands, and the messages were long on the evils of dancing and rock music and visiting bowling alleys. And it just seemed so weird to Mikhail. But it's probably not any weirder than the stuff that, that I grew up hearing. Sermons on circumcision, the ten plagues in Egypt, or, or King David's fights with the Amalekites. Those of you who are older can probably think of a lot of of sermons that you heard that you don't hear much anymore. Things that get preached on uh, back then maybe weren't quite uh, um, as interesting as, as what we wanted to hear. And, and I'm glad that I don't have to preach a lot of uh, sermons on the Amalekites and, and uh, the evils of bowling alleys. Because I was taught that the first rule of preaching is that nobody comes to church with a burning desire to find out what happened to the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? Well, let me explain. No, let me not. You didn't come here today with a burning desire to find out what happened to this group of people from 3,000 years ago that, that had encounters with King David. You came here today to hear something about God and maybe to find some help in in dealing with the things that are going on in your life right now. So I'm going to preach a sermon on lepers today. And that's another topic that we don't hear a lot about anymore. But I'm going to preach a leper sermon. But but note that it's not really about lepers. It's about God. And it's about our own lives. Really, it's just a lesson in having a good enough Lent. Now before we get into the leper story, let's go back and remember why we're in this 40-day period that we call Lent. It was modeled after the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness, fasting and then being tempted by the devil. See, if the devil could, could just get Jesus to forget his mission to save us, to forget God's plan and to put himself first, then nothing else Jesus would do after that would matter. And so the devil tempts Jesus to put himself first, to turn the the rocks into bread to satisfy his own hunger. And the devil tempts Jesus to force God's hand by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil tempts Jesus to worship the devil instead of God in exchange for gaining the whole world. And the devil was unsuccessful, as you know. But maybe he could have tried one more approach. Maybe he could have tempted Jesus to compete in the tragedy Olympics. Do you know what those are? The tragedy Olympics are where we compete to see who has it worst off. It's it's where we almost take pride in our sufferings and brag about how nobody has it as bad as we do. It's a self-centered view that sees our own suffering as worse than anyone else's and dismisses the suffering of others. You've got a cold? Well, let me tell you about my COVID. 
You lost your dog? Well, I lost my spouse. You broke your leg? Well, I broke my neck. You know, it's almost as if it's a competition to see who can suffer the most, who can have the most tragedy. You met a person like that? You've been a person like that a time or two? I know I have. The other day, Tammy and I were getting up and, you know, we were, the, the body just wasn't quite working so well. Aches and pains and all those kinds of things that we face. And I'm kind of going, launching into to all of my, my troubles. And, and Tammy just kind of shoots me this look and says, just remember, you get to go work in an office. I have to work in people's mouths. I'm losing the tragedy Olympics. The Apostle Paul uh, also encountered the tragedy Olympics uh, with the Corinthians. The Corinthians uh, wanted to play, play up the tragedy Olympics, and Paul says, don't even bother competing, folks. Um, I know this, I shouldn't be doing this, he says, um, but if you want to play that game, well, let me tell you. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this, but, but I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. And you think you have it bad. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all you churches. Paul says, you want to play that game? Well, I can too. And Paul really did have a lot to, uh, to brag about or, or whine about, whatever you might call it when you play in the tragedy Olympics. And so did those with leprosy. And by the way, leprosy in the Bible um, refers to any, kind, any number of skin diseases. It's, it's not just Hansen's disease, which is medically what they call leprosy um, nowadays. Leprosy in the Bible was, was really any kind of, of skin disease. And in ancient Israel, if you were a leper, you were automatically on the fast track to the tragedy Olympic gold. Because not only were you sick, but you were also treated, well, you were treated like a leper. Nobody would have anything to do with you. In fact, the biblical law says they couldn't. It was like in the early days of the COVID pandemic, and you're under quarantine, and, and people might bring something to your house, but they leave it at the door and run away before you could come there. If you had leprosy, you were an outcast. You were not to be touched, not to be come near. Listen to these, what Leviticus says about leprosy. It says, if you have leprosy, you must tear your clothes leave your hair uncombed, cover the lower part of your face and go around shouting, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. As long as you have the disease, you are unclean and you must live alone outside the camp. 
just so no one accidentally gets near you. You have to look like sin, move out of town, cover your face, and yell, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Lepers could certainly enter the tragedy Olympics as gold medal favorites. But, you know, we all suffer. Maybe we don't have all have leprosy, but we all experience tragedies in different ways, and they don't really give out medals for it. There is no medal, and it is no competition. Every one of us suffers. So let's, com- let's quit competing, and let's just cut each other some slack. Don't compare your suffering to others, but, but use it to recognize that life can be hard for everyone. You know, even Jesus suffered. So let's treat everyone with an extra measure of respect this week, knowing that, that they might be going through their own tragedy Olympics right now. Yes, and that applies even to those people who aren't competing in the tragedy Olympic but are competing in the exact opposite. And you know those kind of people too. The people that are, are competing in the hashtag blessed Olympics. You know those kind of people? The ones who brag not about their suffering, but uh, brag about how blessed they are. And they often post it on, on social media, hashtag blessed. And, and you know, it's like it's a competition to see how many cute pictures of your kids you can get up there. Or how many vacation pictures to, to wonderful places, hashtag blessed. Or lost five pounds, hashtag blessed. It's, it's as if that's another kind of Olympics. This hashtag blessed thing. Uh, you might even call it a humble brag. Um, you know, oh God is... You know, I, I'm just so thankful to God, and let me tell you all these things that I have because God is so good. And this can be just as self-centered as the Tragedy Olympics. Remember, Jesus has a different view of who's actually blessed. It's not who gets to go to Disney the most in a year. Listen to what Jesus says in the Beatitudes about real blessing. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. By this estimation, we all could be Hashtag blessed. See, it's not, a, it's not who can accumulate the most pictures of cute kids or, or fancy vacations or weight loss. Blessing in, in the Beatitudes 
are the kinds of things you're probably not going to be posting on, on social media. But it doesn't matter because there's no competition there either. There's no gold medal for suffering and there's no gold medal for blessings. The only prize is when you discover that tragedy or blessing, that there's a God who cares about you. That's the only medal. That's the real prize. So, that takes us to our leper story. It's the story of Naaman. Anybody heard of Naaman before? All right. Not many hands out there. Um, you haven't been reading along in 2 Kings chapter 5. Um, and so I'm pretty sure you didn't come here today just waiting to hear what happens to Naaman. But Naaman was somebody who could compete in both the Tragedy Olympics and the hashtag blessed competitions. Because he was rich and powerful, he was successful, he was well-liked, but he also had leprosy. And he tries to, to use his, his fame and, and his power to get healing for his leprosy, but his pride prevents him from listening to God and doing the very simple thing that he's asked to do. So we'll turn to, to the fifth chapter of 2 Kings, and we'll start his story. It says, Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. The Lord had helped him and his troops defeat their enemies, so the king of Syria respected Naaman very much. Naaman was a brave soldier, but he had leprosy. One day while the Syrian troops were raiding Israel, they captured a girl, and she became a servant of Naaman's wife. Sometime later, the girl said, If your husband Naaman would go to the prophet in Samaria, he would be cured of his leprosy. When Naaman told the king what the girl had said, the king replied, Go ahead, I'll give you a letter to take to the king of Israel. Naaman left and took over along 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 new outfits. He has been hashtag blessed. He also carried the letter to the king of Israel. It said, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you. Would you cure him of his leprosy? When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in fear and shouted, That Syrian king believes I can cure this man's leprosy. Does he think I'm God with the power over life and death? He must be trying to pick a fight with me. And we think it's just today where, when two countries' leaders can see things so differently. But here you have the Syrian king who really respects and likes Naaman and, and simply wants him to be healed. And when he hears that someone in Israel can heal his friend, he sends him, he sends him there with a letter. But the Israeli king thinks that this must be some kind of pretext for war. Healing a leper would take a miracle. It's an impossible thing to do. The Syrians must be just trying to pick a fight. And so the king is terrified. But the prophet Elisha says he can help. As soon as Elisha the prophet heard what had happened, he sent the Israelite king this message. Why are you so afraid? Send the man to me so that he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman left with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent someone outside to him to say to him, Go wash seven times in the Jordan River, then you'll be completely cured. 
But Naaman stormed off, grumbling. Why couldn't he come out and talk to me? I thought for sure he would stand in front of me and pray to the Lord his God and wave his hands over my skin and cure me. What about the Abana River and the Farpar River? Those rivers in Damascus are just as good as any river in Israel. I could have washed in them and be cured. Naaman wants to be hashtag blessed. He wants a big social media worthy miracle. He wants Elijah to to recognize how important he is and how famous he is and come out and do a big faith healing miracle. He wants him to to pray and shout and and to to lay his hands on on him and, and have this miraculous healing. But instead, Elisha just phones in a prescription. He says, take a bath, dude, in the Jordan River, and it'll all be okay. And Naaman is upset. I mean, he's just been given the cure to his leprosy, but still, he's ticked off. His pride is hurt. Doesn't this guy know who I am? Isn't any river in Syria good enough? It's certainly better than the muddy Jordan. And so Naaman, in his pride, refuses to do what it takes for him to be cured of his leprosy. Now fortunately, he has someone near him who can speak the truth to him in love and who pulls him out of his self-centered ego trip and causes him to listen. His servant went over to him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, you would have done it. So why don't you do what he says? Go wash and be cured. Naaman walked down to the Jordan. He waded out into the water, stooped down in it seven times, just as Elisha had told him, and right away he was cured, and his skin became smooth as a child's. Naaman listens to the Lord, and he's cured. He's healed. And instead of Elisha standing in front of him and doing some big miracle show, Elisha stands in front of, Naaman stands in front of Elisha and humbly professes his faith. Verse 15, Naaman and his officials went back to Elisha. Naaman stood in front of him and announced, Now I know that the God of Israel is the only God in the whole world. Sir, would you please accept a gift from me? I'm a servant of the living Lord, Elisha answered, and I swear I will not take anything from you. Naaman kept begging, but Elisha kept refusing. Naaman competed in the hashtag blessed Olympics. He had everything a person could want, but it wasn't enough because he had leprosy. And he competed in the tragedy Olympics, but he wanted a healing that was big and difficult, something worthy of a great person like him, something to brag about on social media, if they had social media back then. He didn't want something that could be cured with a bath. So God's message from Elisha wasn't enough. The Jordan wasn't good enough. But when he got over himself and did the little thing, when he listened to God, well, then what he got was enough because he got healing from his leprosy and even more he got truly blessed because he got faith in God. 
You know, all of us suffer, but it's not a competition. So let's cut each other a little slack and show some grace to one another. And all of us are blessed, but it's not a competition there either. So let's not worry about, about posting things and, or what somebody else posts. Besides, some blessings you wouldn't want to post on social media. Think about those things that Jesus describes in the Beatitudes. But if you compete, it's never enough. But it is enough if you listen to God. And that's where the healing is, that's where the happiness is. So really, that's, that's the point of the sermon. You didn't come here today to find out about Naaman. You may forget his name as soon as you leave. You also didn't come here to find out about the Amalekites, and I doubt if many of you will look them up when you get back home. But you're here because like Naaman, you've got some stuff going on in your life. And you're thinking, maybe, just maybe, God might care. And he does. You know, the world doesn't revolve around our tragedies or our blessings, but our lives are in God's hands. And when we listen to God, that's enough. Now this should probably be enough for a sermon, but uh, I want to leave you today with one bonus leper story. And it's the story of, the, of Jesus healing the lepers in, in Luke chapter 17. You know, Jesus, uh, there's several cases where Jesus heals somebody with leprosy. But in Luke 17, he heals 10 lepers at the same time. Let me read it to you. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Ten lepers were cleansed when they listened to Jesus. But only one of them returned and gave thanks. So this week, be that one. Be the one who returns thanks to God. When the Lord tells you to do something big, do it. If the Lord tells you to do something small, well, do that too. And when the Lord heals you, give thanks. When the Lord blesses you, give thanks. When the Lord is there in your tragedies, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. This is a, a time of, of year when we think about difficult things. And we're all facing difficult things. But we know that in the midst of it, God is there. And when God is there, it's good enough. It's good enough. In fact, it's better than good enough. So let's pray. 
Dear Lord, there are people here today that are going through tragedies that, that are like the Apostle Paul, just one on top of the other. Life is hard. But we all face tragedies from time to time. So help us to, to be there for each other in the midst of those, to not compete and compare, but simply to love. And Lord, we're all blessed, but may we not get jealous of people's blessings. And Lord, sometimes help us to see the blessings that we have because it doesn't feel like a blessing when we're persecuted or when we're hungry. But Lord, we know that tragedy or blessing, you are there because of your deep, deep love for us. You're there in whatever we face. And for that, we thank you. For we know that's enough. Amen. How deep.